Hi, my name is Carter. I'm five. My dad is starting from scratch. And you're listening to the Dukan Show. Yo, check it out. A whole new generation of young people today who belong nowhere. But I prefer to be now cast during culture kids where the concept of the Dukan is the, the corner shop where the top We are live on five. Hey, yo, what's up, people? What up, nation? It's a revolution of expression. You're tuned in to the Dukan Show. Stay tuned in. Arab digital generation is shaping our identity, the creative expression, and the Please give a very warm welcome. Welcome to your tribe. Okay, can I just can I just please go ahead. Starting from scratch in the house, okay? Yes. Can I that that ASMR? Oh. I feel like if we're delayed with the sound effect, it should have been automatic. Yeah, it should have been automatic. Yeah, if it's should have I'm not impressed already. It's, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it ready. I'm gonna leave it at the ready. Mark's in a perpetual state of unimpressed. I've noticed. <laughs> and, yeah. No, I, I starting from scratch. Okay, he doesn't know this because I've never actually talked about how 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 far back I've been listening to your like to you. Um, when you grew up, if you grew up in Toronto. Uh, Anywhere around like early 2000s, whatever, you couldn't pass a club without hearing Mark's name. Like not a, not a joke. Starting from scratch was the DJ. Yeah. And you were on radio. Uh, you you were, said was. Is, still is. Is true. No, it was no, for defense, me it was because I haven't been there in like 12 years. But I know for a fact that there are some of some people I know that kind of we just refer back to kind of, you. You marked the music that we got ready to, that we went out to, that we when your heart got broken, yeah. that's that's where you went back <laughs> you to. to. Back to the mix. Yeah, mark, no. marked. Mark, mark. And then you had, and I, mm. I believe you had a DJ. Uh, you were teaching, uh, you were teaching quite a few people how to DJ. And so there is a, Toronto as a sorry Canada in general as a music. The, the music scene in Canada is defined by a few pillars of mm-hmm. people that were coming up around the time when I was, uh, you know, young, when I was a teenager and when in my early twenties. And Mark, actually, people don't know this, but Mark kind of defined a lot of the Toronto sound that you hear now as mainstream, like normal whatever music. Mm. But the Trinis and the and the Bayesians and all of all of this, these communities were immigrating in. People were immigrating in, and it became kind of the sound that you would you would bring to the city. And I think that's so dope. So thank you for that. All right. Yeah. That's so a good start. How's that for an intro? Next, who's next? Hi, guys. That's Hi a guys. great party story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, Canadians. Hey, we love each oh, other. Sorry, I said that First of all, first of all, we're actually nice people, so we actually like each other. Maybe. Canada, we love you. You are love like Mark and Reem. Long <laughs> live Bieber. <laughs> long live Justin Bieber. So, yeah. How long, how long have you been in the game? Like, is it Almost 30 years. Just about 30 years now. Damn it. Oh wow. Yeah, how did you while. start? How do you how does well, how does starting from scratch yeah. start? Mm. It was just I mean music has always been in my family. My dad was a singer. Um my mom worked for at the time it was Warner Electrica Atlantic when they were called WIA. So it was wow. a record company. Wow. Yeah. So my mom used to work for them. So it's always been around for as long as I can remember. It was always just music, music, music. And you know, I can't sing. Dancing skills tremendously limited. <laughs> did you try singing before Will? Did you give it a go? Was there like a moment when you were younger, like where you were like, nah, I'm a, no, okay, nothing. see, okay. really honest. His mom looked at me and she's like, nope. No. <laughs> it wasn't, a, wasn't got my it. car. My dad had it. You I don't have, have it. it. And yeah. then, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was just one of those things. I just, I was introduced to it sonically before I even understood or had ever seen what DJing was. Um, and I just 
fell in love with the concept without knowing that I fell in love with the concept. Really? Just listening to it on the radio, it just became a thing I loved. And I, and I would religiously sit in my house and record every Saturday night in Montreal, like in my little house, and we'd, I'd sit and record and listen back to it. And I was just amazed how music would just go on for hours flawless. Yeah. One song after another, and I love this song, and I love this song, and I, and I just, it was one after another. And I was like, this is amazing to me, not knowing what it was. That's wow. it. See, that's it. Yeah. And that's love because it's really love that drove that practice. Yeah, it was a yeah. sonic love before that was know, a, a visual yeah. love. Before yeah. you crazy knew any, before you knew the technicalities or anything to do I, with that world. Just, I was like just heard 10 it. years old. I knew nothing. That's amazing. Wow. Oh, wow. I, that young. I just loved the sound of music. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I loved how it all was able to go together. I don't even remember if the DJ was good. Like, I, yeah. that stuff didn't matter to me at that time. It was just like, Oh, I love this song, and another one come on. Oh, I love this song, and the mm. energy, and you know, it was a dance like Saturday yeah. night dance thing. Uh -huh. yeah. So it was like the energy was always there, and and I just I just fell in love with it on that level. And then I wasn't introduced to it visually um, till a couple years later. A cousin's friend, blah 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 blah. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's a DJ, and you know, oh, he's he's really big and doing. It. I don't even know who it was. <laughs> I was like twelve years old at that time. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Still not putting two and two together until I moved to Toronto when I was 14 and went to my first high school dance. What high school did you go to? T.L. Kennedy. Oh, you went to T.L.? Mississauga, okay. yeah. Oh, shoot. I went, okay, so T.L., there was T.L., there was Pocock, and there was a few other schools, oh, like lots. Applewood. Yeah. yeah. Um, these schools, I, I'm telling you, Mark, you're like... Are these like the party schools? I can't explain it, but so much great music came out of those schools. I yeah. don't know. And there was there was only one school, Etobicoke School of the Arts, which was like the only art school. Yeah. They would feed into like the world, but there was this, there was so something are, happened in your generation. Yeah. I don't know what it was that defined. I, I really believe this. I wish that someone would do like a study on this. Yeah. But, well, this was like 86 when I moved to Toronto, yeah. 1986. Okay. So, um, and our school was very, it was, it was, It was the ultimate melting pot, but also very divided. Yeah. So everybody was there, but not everybody was kind of mingling together. Yeah. And then me coming into this place, I didn't know the difference because I've always grown up with everybody. So I, I, I've never been that person to separate things like that. So when I walked in, I, you know, I would see the skinheads and I would see, you know, the Jamaicans and then, you know, the preppies and then the book nerds. And I right. would just go to everybody and be like, hey, what's up? And da, 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 da. And mm. cafeteria, you know, was, was, the ultimate meeting place yeah. at that time. Yeah. And high school dances was all we had. You're talking high school dances, we would get eight, nine hundred people, like, and we'd travel to other schools. Yeah. And high school dances was our club was scene. Was it a club yeah. scene, yeah. I don't even know how it is in this No, we, we have, I don't even now, know if they have them anymore. No, they have all ages club. Now there's no, all ages. No, like but all I mean, ages in, in high schools. They I don't know. Back, back, in, back in the day, no, yeah. back in the day, we had high school dances. Like, that's how I knew Danny, because Danny, Danny and I went to the same school, but obviously he was a few years older than I was. But he was that DJ. Like all our high school parties, Danny was mm -hmm. the guy you'd call. And like the Marbella Club in Sharjah, shout outs to them. <laughs> that was so the they spot. Would, they would have know? like a club. But no, yeah, in, in uh, earlier, there was no club to no. go to in Mississauga before... Yeah. Um, There was changes. There was Abyss. Oh, no, no. So yeah. in the years, okay. But a yeah. year later, you're yeah. a yeah. lot younger Yeah, so there was changes before Abyss, but you yeah. wouldn't have the school party there. No, like, this was oh, no. where, like, Marbella teenagers... Club is, is like a family resort. Like, it's got a pool. And, oh, like, okay. we'd rent out the ballroom there. No, but I think what we, he means is, like, like school-organized parties. Oh, no, no, like, these were, like, school dances in yeah. the school. Oh, yeah, on yeah. campus. Like, leave room yeah, yeah, for the Holy campus. Spirit type things. Yeah, literally... 
cafeteria in the cafeteria yeah. and oh, no. have like eight, nine hundred kids. Yeah. And like mom and dad and like your teachers would come and watch. You had parent chaperones uh, around yeah. the I don't even remember all <laughs> around that. around the periphery. But that was that was our everything. So yeah. it was like they do like three or four of these a year yeah. and then you know it was it was just massive. And and that was the first time I saw it. And from the first time I saw it, that was it. I was just like this is This is my life. It was that yeah. uh light glowing around me moment <laughs> and I was just kind of staring staring at the guy on stage like probably like, who the hell is this kid? But I was just staring at him and I was just in awe how one guy could control that many people Yeah, and what he's doing. Like, he could have played anything he wanted to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then from there, I would just go to like all ages spots and different things and, and met more people that were doing the DJ thing and then I just, I don't remember when I first tried it, but um, I know in my house, I just had a little wooden turntable and a tape deck and I would play those tapes that I was talking about that I recorded. Yeah. I would play them on the tape deck and my mom had bought me this little, you know, $90 mixer and I would just, I had this wooden turntable and I would just play records that my mom had got from a record uh, from work and I would just manually just try and I just Like make it work. Yeah. Wow. And so when you saw this, so you were there on the dance floor having this epiphany. Do you know what I mean? Was it, did you decide then that this was the career? Like you were going to do this for a living? No I don't think what? I ever decided at any point that this was my career, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, it was just something that I knew I was drawn to. Yeah. Like immediately. I had never kind of been drawn to anything except for like hockey and stuff like that, playing as a kid. But before that, it was just like, you know, any, anything else. Yeah. And like, did you start with a certain genre or you just mixed everything that you had? In- back then, there was no real genres. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, categorically, yes. Yeah. But in general, it's like, no, I listen to everything. everything. And okay. most, I think most people did. Yeah. Even if they're like, you know, the hardcore Jamaicans were listening to reggae in the cafeteria. But they still listened to Depeche Mode. And they still, everybody knew yeah. because, remember, all we had back then was radio. Okay. And radio played everything. It was like one pipeline. There it was, was one no, pipeline you know, of this information. This is before, yeah, it sounds ancient now, but I mean, there was no internet and whatever. You didn't have the physical cassette at that time. You didn't have the music or you yeah. had to wait till it came on the radio yeah. and recorded. So it's like, that's all we had. So everybody kind of listened to everything. It was whatever really the airwaves would dictate at that time. Fair enough. Fair enough. And did, you, did you ever uh, uh, DJ at your own uh, high school? Yeah, that's how I started, really. Okay. Um, it was just high school parties and stuff and a lot house parties were massive back then too. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> house parties were everything. So yeah, I, uh, first gig, I don't remember fully. I do, it was a house party, but I don't remember what it was or whatever, but it was the same concept. Just a bunch of friends there and playing and I just, I just fell in love with it. And then, yeah, of course, I, I my principal was super cool at the time. Um, he was actually a football star. Um, cool. Dude. Rush Jackson. Rush Jackson was your principal? Yeah, he was a CFL legend. What? CFL is our equivalent of the NFL. But, so yeah. he is a legend and he was super cool. So. I didn't know Rush Jackson was a principal yeah. at TL Kennedy, but that explains why they had the only football team. Yeah, he was only there for, yeah. He was the, only they there were for the only bit. school that had a football team for a while. But I approached him one time because I was super cool with him too. And I approached him and I was like, hey, like everybody's in the cafeteria, you know, during lunch. Can I just play some music for them? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I, you know, I'll bring in my stuff and just connect and just play some music. Everybody listens to everything. He's like, okay, as long as you keep it clean and yeah, yeah, no leave trouble, room for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's no yeah. trouble. It's all good. He's, <laughs> and he let me do it. And from then on, you know, we we do it every now and then. He saw that it was it was a good thing, and just that it gained my confidence. And then it's the regular pattern: high school dances and you know DJ competitions. And then when I turned 19, went into a whole different field. And just from then on, it's just been. 
amazing ever since. Amazing. And why starting from scratch? Why? Yeah, why the name? Was there like a... Wait, when was the name coined? Like, did you yeah. give yourself the name or did... Yeah. Some, yeah. Um, yeah, I found it early on because it was, I think, after the first or second or third time I was doing house parties with my friend and he's like, well, you got to call yourself something. And I was like, I don't know. There's always a friend that's like, <laughs> you got to have a name. Your name I is, had no name. I your current wanted, name is irrelevant. You, you need a better the, name. You just want his mark, yeah? I, yeah, I think I was like, yeah, or Marky G or some one of those stupid names. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And then, um, yeah, I was just looking through records and something to inspire the name. And I was home and, you know, looking through a TV guide, which we had back then, the paper versions. Yeah, <laughs> yes. best selling publication in Canada, the TV guide. Oh, wow. Yep. That I didn't know. Yeah. Look at this. Tell me, man. <laughs> Reem Trebek. Over this here. is it. This is it. Trivial Pursuit, useless information. So then, yeah, I just, it was, it was, I was flipping through the TV guide, just looking for something and it was this bold letters. It was said starting from scratch. It was like a kid's uh, after school special. Okay. And I was just like, this is cool. This is it. <laughs> it made sense. <laughs> I didn't even know how to really scratch back then, but yeah. um, it would just, it just made sense to me. And it was just one of those other ah moments. And then from then on, it just kind of stuck and everybody seemed to like it and kind of gravitated towards it. Yeah. It made sense by the same token. It's memorable because it's funny because yeah, if you you couldn't, it's very odd to find someone else who's like yeah, I'm DJ starting from scratch. There's just one, you know what I mean? It's it's such an odd name that, and I think that's part of it because there are DJ flexes and (laughs) DJ ICs or whatever. I mean, I literally started from scratch, so don't we all being self taught exactly, but being self taught and and Mm. not having equipment and not having. I mean, I wasn't able to afford. Techniques 1200s for like, you know, 10, 12 years into me DJing. Yeah. So it was like me borrowing stuff and because and, I had to buy records. So any money I get would go towards records as opposed to equipment. And mm. it's just like I had a friend that, that lent me because his dad had a restaurant and they had a, in the basement, they had like a little dance thing and they weren't using it at the time. So he's like, yeah, you can borrow these turntables. And I was like, awesome. And I would go home <laughs> and I'd right after school and practice like six, seven hours a day. Oh, I would wow. just come straight home and play my music. Um, and do my homework like in the morning on the way to school. Standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, once once I fell in love with music, the school wasn't relevant to you. Focus anything. to me. Yeah, yeah it yeah. just wasn't. Everything. I the only reason I formatted my day around music. I would. I see. Go to my school in the morning. You know, check in, do my class that classes that I liked, and I would take off to other schools in the day and go hang out at this school and be in this school's. Uh, talent competition and DJ mm. this school's dance and I like I was all over the place just making friends and and really just you know getting to do what I wanted to do at that time that's all I you know how it is when you find something you're so passionate about especially at that young age yeah nothing else matters like that's it. it doesn't matter your parents like thankfully because my parents had a music upbringing too they were super cool with it and they saw like I was giving my all to it and everything I was doing was dedicated to that yeah, I, would go, yeah. I had to work my McDonald's and I had to work all these other jobs which McDonald's did you work at? Um, Central, Central Parkway, Parkway Mall Central Parkway bro okay <laughs> I lived right across the street okay the cinema in Central Parkway Mall I, that was my first job they were the only they gave me ghetto, that ghetto ghetto, ghetto Central Parkway Mall that cinema 
my parents broke up and I had to find a job. And that place was the only place that would hire me underage. And so that place, I yeah. can tell you right now, like I, th this is why, is like that McDonald's, all right? All of us would go chill there because it was so cold outside. <laughs> hopefully, go, hopefully you didn't, oh, you were after my time. No, 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 I didn't, I didn't, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. You're, you're I was, already, we did some foul mess in No, there was, no, there was, there was, it was not a safe place Reba's for a lady like me. not the like fancy me. person you said. But like, no, I, I told you, so you lived across the street on, on Rathburn, like, like down Rathburn, so. 333 Rathburn. Okay, I lived on 422 uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. Small yeah, world, yeah, yeah, very, very, very small, small world. world. And so, um, I, I didn't know you lived there, but yeah, for some reason, because you went to TL, I thought for sure you were at Central Parkway Mall. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Everybody got a job. It wasn't was like because the thing about Dubai is that you don't necessarily have kids doing where, working that no. part time. Rarely. Like I worked. It, we all had. We you needed that to make cash to do what you loved. So you always you you needed that extra cash to go to go to to go to the club or to to you know if you if you love dance it was to buy shoes or whatever yeah. it was and that's a mark of like the Canadian experience and I think it's so dope I think it's so yeah. important and, and honestly like you know working at McDonald's and stuff it's it's a great structure and and they give opportunity to so many people yeah there. it's amazing yeah and. Um, I'm not advocating. No, I don't but, work for McDonald's. No, no, no. But, no, but, think, but it was no, but a place it, it's for a you. Great, yeah, kids knew that that you can go work there. Yeah, so, uh, we, they're like, and I think tons that, of my school was working in. There. Yeah, and yeah. That, so teaches, that, cool. that teaches you discipline and teaches Absolutely. you know to, to kind of respect the dollar that you're making. You know, yeah, kind of, because there's, there's a value. If only I had listened. If only you listened, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. and so when so like moving forward in time, how do you? There was one point, in, and I mean this, like you would walk down in the streets in Toronto and there would be starting from scratch, like flyers, really? every pole, every other pole. So how did you break into the, well, tell when, us about when, when the did Toronto that breaking point happen? Yeah, like how did you leave kind of? It was when I turned, I mean, I had a good amount of steam, like when I was like 17, 18 out of school doing a lot of those dances, but I was still very, uh, like I lived in the West End, so I was a West End based yeah. kid. You know what I mean? I'm sure there were other kids in the East End and Central doing their thing. Uh, it was when I turned 19, when I f got to go downtown, yeah. that's where everything changed. You know what yeah. I mean? Because now I was exposed to not only being, you know, a skinny white kid in the black scene, um, you know, playing what I'm not supposed to be playing and doing what I'm not supposed to be doing. But <laughs> Whatever doing that it, means, yeah. Doing it better than them. Yeah. That, that was them, the I mean the guys who were in that scene already. Yeah. And there wasn't really any white guys in that scene yeah. as DJs at that time. Um Especially on that level. So I was like, and I was by myself, you know, I didn't have a crew. Yeah, that was I didn't one have, thing. I was oh. always, I was always by myself. Yeah, like, yeah. I had my you friends. You usually roll deep. Yeah, I, don't, I would never roll deep. I mean, I would have the people that wanted to carry my crates to get in for free as soon as the, they get in. I don't see <laughs> they're, them. They're the gone. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're on your own. But you I, thank <laughs> them for the crate carrying. Have a good yeah. evening. I had my two or three guys that were like Ride or die. my boys that, yeah. that were always with me. And I wasn't driving at the time. So they were the ones who supported me for years. Shout but, out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I never forget that stuff. But yeah, it was just from my turn 19. And then, you know, I'm now, I'm still living in my mom's basement. I'm working six nights a week, waking up at three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm making a lot of money. You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. it was just at that time, that's just the way it was. I didn't have to do anything else at that time. All I had to do was wake up and play music. That's it. So, were, you, were you happy then? I was extremely happy. I mean... I was getting to do what I loved, uh, and I was getting to do it. Most importantly, I, I, and I still stick to this to this day, is I'm doing it on my terms. Mm. Yeah. So it's like I never had to jeopardize. And like I found when I come up here to Dubai, you're playing on their terms. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not yeah. super happy and comfortable playing up here. Mm -hmm. 
because I'm doing what they want and the management's like the on management, your back. The promoters, like, yeah, I want you yeah. to do this and I play this song and that doesn't happen in yeah. Toronto. No, you Toronto I mean? is like, but, but Toronto means you better come with it because I'm now, not going to tell you what to do. You, yeah. you better be Agreed. amazing. But I feel like with, with Toronto, there's an understanding that I'm hiring you for a reason. You should know how to do your job, which is fair, right? For the most part. I, yeah. Whereas I think here, it's changed. I think it depends on... Which club, which, which, okay. which location, and how big is the club? How how big is well, you also have to remember, mm-hmm. like, in, in the 90s, particularly, like, the 90s was DJ-driven. Promoters didn't matter. Yep. Clubs didn't matter. It didn't matter where you were. I see. It didn't matter who was putting it on. It, all people said was, where's Scratch playing or where yeah. is... King Turbo playing, or where are these other guys playing? And okay. they went. We did parties in the weirdest places. Like there, if you saw the flyer, the DJ name would be the pro, like the the, the most prominent. prominent thing. Yeah, he could play in a church basement. It would fill the church. And we basement. did. I, yeah, and we, we did. yeah. I, I organized a few church. But it wouldn't things. be like you know you see forty DJs on a flyer like no. today, and every DJ has to bring you know fifteen people on the guest list or no. twenty people. Yeah, and pays. They basically want the people to pay for themselves. Yeah, we, it was everything was very DJ driven back then. So. What changed? Everything changed. Bottle service, clubs became became more extravagant. Okay. The way music was being fed to people is different now. You know what I mean? Like everything was much more organic in the 90s. You had to really want to hear a certain artist or really want to hear somebody and you had to physically go see them or you had to physically seek them out somehow. Now it's just everything's at your fingertips. You can get whatever you want. So people's attention is so scattered that you have to Mm. force, now you have to force feed people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, thankfully, I came up when I did, and I established a name and a trust over so many years that I don't have to play that rat race game anymore. Yeah, exactly. I I did that. Already. Yeah. I I worked my ass off for you know twenty years to to kind of not glide and ride, but glide and ride for now for the mm-hmm. next ten years. You know what I mean? But um, to the point of like Dubai and and Toronto is like it's just. I've always been able to do it on my own on my own terms. I always played my way. Like nobody would ever and I'm a Scorpio as we talked yeah, about. Yeah, we before, talked about so this briefly. That wouldn't have flown with me anyways. <laughs> yeah, like, he would have just been like, no. The whole yeah. reason yeah. I've been always by myself and, and not with a crew or or work for an agency or company is because I don't play well with others. So I <laughs> I need to just I let me do my thing. Yeah. If you're not happy at the end of it, so I'll I'll take care of it. But I'm that's good. It. we're yeah. good. Then we yeah. just don't have to do work again. But yeah. Let me do my thing and, and let's see, let them make the decision. Um, it was like even the first time I came out here and Danny put me on at white and I played and I was like like 15 minutes into my set and one of the managers came up to Danny and he's like, take him off. And Danny went to take me off and I said, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said, I just started. Like I'm like four yeah. songs in. I said, give me a chance. Yeah. You're not used to the way I play. Yeah. And by the end of it, it was cool. You know what I mean? But it's just like, it's just a different mentality. Like, mm. Anywhere you go, obviously, you kind of have to adapt to the settings. I get it. Um, but I've been fortunate over the years that I'd, I don't really have to. Yeah. I don't have to travel as much. And I don't have to put myself in positions where I'm not comfortable because I don't, A, I don't handle that well. And I, I've built such a great foundation that I could technically never leave and live a fantastic life doing what I do with yeah. my radio and everything at home and and. And I just, Toronto has always been the ultimate melting pot. And it was the hardest place to grow up as yeah. a DJ yeah. and a musician. Or anyone artist, in hip hop. Any, I think anyone, anyone in anyone music in, in general. Yeah, it was really tough. It's really tough. It was straight up like. Gully. If you've ever seen 8 Mile, 
Yeah. You know, when Eminem goes up on stage <laughs> yeah. for the first time and they boo him and yeah. get off this. That's exactly that's how strong. it was. I tell these guys about it because we earned that tradition from you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, so the like there would be if you were gonna come forward. Like you better if you want to be the get dancer ready. in front or you want to be that MC matter. on stage. It don't matter what it is. It was rude. You had to bring it your was. A game or you get booed yeah. off stage to your face. It's they like, would boo you. It always reminds me of like um, like with the the Def Jam shows, right? Like with Def Jam comedy and those guys, like was, you was, instantly was, get booed if you're if you're whack. It don't matter who you are. You're off. You're now booed. You get sworn off stage. Yeah. Now picture that exactly. You said Def comedy and picture like the first time Bill Burr walked on stage or somebody that's not like the crowd. So that's that was me always instantly before people realized who I was. It's like I would walk into these, you know, the deepest, darkest dungeon reggae party. And, you know, me, a little nerdy kid with my backpack. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm here to play my music. And they're like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. DJ Mark G. Yeah. And they're like, who's this guy? And then you go on and play and they're like, holy, holy Oh, hold yeah. up. Okay. But, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that that was, but we like. So you'd get you, booed before you played. But you wanted that. You yeah. wanted, like I, deep down inside, you wanted this kid to be good. Yeah. I believe that you yeah. you, 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 you dominated because you, you wanted you wanted to intimidate the yeah. out of anyone to yeah. filter the door. But, but it's the but journey, we, it's, the, it's the fight of the underdog. Yeah, right? but when he performed yeah. and, he won, like, and he won everyone over, those are the moments I absolutely live for. Yeah. Like I live yeah. for that. I mean, I never got booed. Okay. That's because you were I'm good. sure it was always on right, <laughs> right about. Just like just you about say, to happen. Yeah, exactly. When they see you, they're like, mm, just play one <laughs> oh, song. Wait, play, oh. give me that one song. And then like, they go like, give it to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, uh, yeah, and I, I love that. Like, yeah. I would prefer that over nowadays. Like nowadays, anybody can get away with anything on any platform. Yeah. Like we're in, we're we're force fed garbage all day long on so many levels, and the garbage is what surfaces to the top and that's what people idolize now people idolize garbage so it's like you hear a garbage song number one on the charts and you see you know this useless person doing useless things on social media and bang millionaires and you're like okay so that's all i have to do now so yeah. now there's no more effort anymore it's just whereas back then i prefer to run you know i prefer to have people throwing stuff and me having to dodge mm-hmm. and, and i'm you know I, i've had people literally shot right beside me while i'm djing where was that wow oh just, it was some basement party in Scarborough. In Scarborough, yeah. And I was de- literally standing there DJing, and pop, 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 pop. And my boy grabs me by the back and, and throws pulls you me down. Yeah. And the girl right beside, like right beside me, was shot in the oh, leg. Damn. This was happening, like so. There was a surge of violence that was happening in the board, like like in Scarborough, in Brampton, in these like all heavy the 90s. all through <laughs> the nineties and and into the early two thousands. And it's crazy because people don't realize it. Like areas like Regent Park or like North York, yeah. you could not walk there alone as a woman. Like you should not be walking alone at night to get to those basement parties where these guys were playing. But I have to say that is where like people were discovered. Like a lot of the great, great music and musicians that come out of Canada mm. and ne- and that eventually went to LA and then they kind of pretended they're not Canadian anymore. Like there's a whole thing where like there's a bunch of Canadians that just Why don't. Um, I think you just want legitimacy. Like you mm. want to be, if you are American, you want that American dream thing. But I think like, it's resentment too. Like yeah. a lot of guys um, just, it's natural because, we, because we're so tough and Toronto was... Um, such a hard-ass place to come out of. And a lot of guys just never got that hometown love until yeah. they crossed the border and blew mm. up and then everybody kisses their ass and they come back. So I think it's just resentment. And I get that. Um, you know, it's, like, clo- that it's colonialism. Now? Is that yeah. shifting now, though? Mm, no? 
I think it's I think it's cool to say you're Canadian now. Yeah, because of we've had so many mega stars now. I think it's okay. But I mean, guys like Bieber and you don't really see them waving the Canadian flag all that much. Or Drake. Yeah, but no, Drake does. Drake does does more or less. And I mean, I again, I get it to a point. Um, But yeah, I guess it. I guess it is kind of frustrating in a sense that you work your off and you, the people you want. To appreciate you the most are the ones that turn your back on you first until you get appreciated yeah. by others. But that's natural. Yeah. But I also think that makes you stronger. I think that makes you a stronger artist. I think it makes you want your hunger bigger. I think you want it more. And when you get it, it's all that much better. And I mean, I don't blame people. I don't think anybody has the responsibility of wearing the flag on their back personally. Yeah, if fair you, enough. you work, you get to where you want to be. You control your destiny. You represent what you want to represent. Fair. If you're faking like you're from somewhere else... Different then story. we have a problem. That's a different story. Yeah. But I, I mean, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I think there's people that can do more and maybe bring more attention to the city. But again, I get it. A lot of guys really worked hard to get the, like the Drakes and these guys. They they're not overnight successes. No, mm. hardly. There's by the way, know. there's no overnight success in Toronto. There was that record. I think I showed it to you. I had this record by uh, by a music producer called Hazel, mm-hmm. and on one of the tracks, he had Drake on the tracks and. It was from a live session they had together. And at the end of the show, he's introducing himself to the audience. Like, hey, I go by the name of Drake. And, it was, and you could tell it was like this club vibe type um, gig. And then I look back at his career. And this guy's been doing this for eons. Like, yeah, and been, he was on like Degrassi Junior High, which yeah, is like your, old, your Canadian after school special. Exactly. Like, so like, I think he paid his dues. Like he got to where he did the same way you did. I mean, you, you've been doing this for 30 years. You went from your little wooden record to having your name and your face across the entire city. That no, is, no city, the world. Like, <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. Like. But I think that that's part of that journey where like there was so much heart and effort that went into everything you did. And that's what made you guys happy, made you happy and makes people happy doing their, their perfecting their craft. Whereas today it is these, we just got to do some stupid online. No, I don't. Look, I think <laughs> I think a cases, lot of people back know? then also got fame they didn't deserve. Like I think that that's a part of it. But I think young people who are trying to make it and the it's the problem is honing your craft. Mm-hmm. Like DJs now. Like I, I've watched Mark kind of talk to some of the younger DJs that have been around us, and you're like, I, he's always giving them like these this one hit like advice, yeah. like. You got. Don't look at your screen. Like mm-hmm. that was the. Fr- you say that so much. Like don't look at the screen. And I think though there are little things that are lost because you can supposedly learn everything online now, but there's a practice, a craftsmanship mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think the problem is. I mean, just like anything. Again, I think the problem is the term DJ is used so loosely now. Just like the term photographer. Just like podcaster. Just yeah. like anything. Creative. Because, yeah, anything can be done with your phone literally now. So it's yeah. like. Anybody feels that they can do these things and it's just brought everything down. So it's like, I'm not one of those guys. I've em- I embrace technology. I don't know what the greatest, but I embrace it. I understand it. It took me a while um, to get over my bitterness because it's something I'm super passionate about. Like, this is my life. And I hate people disrespecting my life. Like, I hate when people, I'm a DJ, I'm a DJ and don't take the time to learn. Like, if, if you want to do something cool, don't disrespect things that people give their blood for you know like literally Mm -hmm. this is my life like i do not like people i'm a dj okay what do you do and show me an app on your phone and like get away from me (laughs) you know what i mean like but by the flip of it if a kid if that's all he can afford or whatever and a kid is super passionate about it and that's all he has on his phone i'll sit with the kid and teach him on his phone okay fair Mm. you get me i understand the technology i embrace it but it's more 
why you're doing what you're doing, which is always usually the first thing I ask people when they tell me, oh, I want to be a DJ. Can you teach me? I always say, why? Why do you want to be a DJ? So it's purpose and intent. Yeah, as it should be with anything. I mean, anybody with an iPhone now is all of a sudden you see these people putting these little lenses on their iPhones and filming. Mm -hmm. And I'm a photographer. And okay, have you ever owned a camera? Yeah. You know anything about, I don't know anything about photography. So, but I'm just like, Anybody that, if, if you're super passionate about anything in life, I think you should. It doesn't necessarily, I'm not that bad where I'm like, you have to learn where DJing started and yeah. you learn play on a, if you're known play on a turntable, you're not a DJ. I don't believe that. To me, end of the day, DJ's bottom line, if you can make people happy with the music you're playing, make them happy. Okay. Right? That's, that's our job yeah. at the end of the day. I don't care what anybody says and some purists will probably on me for that, but it doesn't matter to me because end of the day, if you're a DJ, a public DJ, and you're not making people happy, you're not going to be a public DJ very long. No. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be very public for yeah. very long. Yeah. yeah. So because you, I think people want happiness. Like, I yeah. genuinely believe it doesn't matter. That's why what, they come to us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You guys are escapism. Mm-hmm. You're that ticket they bought so that whatever happened this week can just go away for like an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah. Like, take that away from me. You know, and if you fail to do that, then... Yeah. You better step down. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> okay. anything. You go to a comedy show. You go to yeah. see an artist on stage. Like, that's... Uh, their job is to make you happy. There's nothing yeah. worse yeah. when you go see an artist that you has a huge catalog of hits and you go see them and they don't perform the hits and you're oh, like, the biggest disappointment ever. Yeah, there's like, a huge psychology behind DJing that all these up-and-comers don't know. It's like controlling the account, knowing how to play to them, controlling their mood. And you see it with people like Mark and Danny and they know how to control that environment rather than just like these upcoming you just play the hits or like they play the good mm-hmm. music that people are just going to like, oh yeah, I like this song. Yeah. It's so true. There's yeah. all psychology behind it. There's a lot to it. There's math, there's psychology. There's a lot involved in DJing that people just don't understand. They just look at it as somebody playing a record. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's actually a lot more to it if you want to take the time to learn it. Yeah. That's true. So how do you end up becoming Russell Peters DJ though? I've known Russell. We, we, we met in high school. Uh, he was in Brampton. Um, and we, I don't even remember. He'll remember because he remembers everything. He, this is the thing, right? <laughs> he does. He, he has, doesn't forget he has, He's an elephant. Oh, he's, like, yes. he's that kind of guy? He does yes. not forget anything. If he met you once, he'll be like, ah, I remember here, here, here. But and he'll be like, holy I'm wow. the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to test that because okay. I met, okay, tell your story first and then I'll, I'll be the test, but don't tell Russell. I want to see if <laughs> <laughs> We're back here June 6th, by the way. Buy your tickets. Where is it? Okay, actually, we're the opening plug the Coca, uh, We're opening the Coca-Cola Forum. We're okay. the first, oh, sweet. We're the first show. Yeah. Live Amazing. Show we'll so, you're gonna, so you're opening the Coca-Cola I'll be here, arena. Yeah. I'll All be right. back here with him. All right, we'll be there full force. There's no, no doubt. Okay, um, so this is when we'll test Russell. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'll make sure you guys get to connect with him. Um, yeah, we met in high school. He was a DJ at that time, um, more than comedy. And we just connected on a music level so Mm. he used to come to my house and we'd play records and he'd have some records and then I'd go to his place and he'd come to my place and bring his records and then um, yeah we just you know playing music over the years together and then he got more involved in his comedy and I just stuck on my DJing thankfully Um, even though I think I'm funnier than he is (laughs) by the way you are (laughs) no No, wait Um, it's after he meets me though this is the the thing who had the bigger record collection back in the day Oh, I definitely did. Because of your, because your mom worked. Did you ever get that? But to your plus, mom? I was, I, you know, I was physically working as a DJ at that time, yeah. okay. so I was making my money and stuff. And um, yeah, and then he just started doing his comedy, so he drifted away from the DJing, and I stayed with mine. We kind of lost touch for a bit, and then he really just, as everybody knows now, he was before that famous clip came on. He was just, you know, traveling the country nonstop in his car by himself, you know, just traveling, doing all the comedy clubs. And I was doing my thing. 
and then you just had that magic moment where that Comedy Central special, somebody yeah. chopped yeah. it up and stuck That's it up one. there. Whoever that guy is, thank you. He, we still don't know who Russell, that guy no. is, by the way. Yeah, I think Russell told me, I think he did find out at oh, some really? point. But, um, and then from then on, he just struck gold. And then he called me early 2000s and he's like, I'm going on my first international tour where I can finally do what I want to do. He's like, I want to bring you with me. And I was like, serious? And yeah, and we went all over Australia. Amazing. South Africa. And, and it was just incredible. And he, I mean. That's dope. I can never say, you know, it's just endless thankings to him because not only what he's done for me and my family and, you know, the others in his camp, but what he's done for the culture of DJing on that level is unheard of. I mean, we've seen DJs on Def Comedy Jam and so yeah. forth, but... But that was still hip-hop and it was still yeah. relatively still, underground. Like it was at that definitely time, underground. It was but not, it was still New York too. It, yeah, but way. it wasn't... Yeah. But when you had like a, someone as famous as Russell show up and have a yeah. DJ with him, it defined that visual of a comedian and a yeah. DJ. It's not only... Keep in mind, it's not only have a DJ. It's have a DJ on stage, present in the whole show acknowledging the DJ, making sure the crowd understands what we're doing. Yeah. Like, and yeah. keep in mind, like, Russell's crowd is not a music crowd. Like, it's, it's But he not. educated them. Oh, no. In a he, he did. Yeah. He educates them, but he also doesn't care. Like, he's like, you guys are coming to see me, and this is part of me, so this is what I'm putting out there to you. But he, you know, look at any special, any DVD that he's put out. You'll see me and Spinbad always yeah. there. Yeah. And he always acknowledges, and he always shows love to the DJ. And... Every DJ in the world should be thankful to him for putting it on that level because, you know, I've toured with George Lopez too. And um, George Lopez is like, you're going to DJ on the side of the stage. This is my stage. I don't yeah, want yeah. anybody else on the stage. Yeah. And I was literally playing behind the curtain. Mm. Could have been a mix. Um, and I, he just like, this is my area. This is your area. And I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah. because it's a, you're That's working. You. It's a job. That's it's your you. job. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. It's your stage. You have every right to do what you want. And Russell... No, I Russell, grew more appreciation yeah. for Russell because I'm like, nobody yeah. does this. Yeah. yeah, Other guys have now because of Russell. Because of yeah. what he because did. Because he set that format. Yeah. Yeah. He Absolutely. set that format where like you couldn't film the stage without seeing both those guys. Like, and, he's doing, and he's doing it with your non-typical music crowd. Like I say, like you can have, you know, your, I don't even know who uses DJs to be honest, but, you know, any any of the urban comics, it's like, you know, that vibe is always there, but, whether but, they have a DJ or not. Yeah, because their audience get it. and they, they get part I, of It's all in the part of that culture, yeah, right? Yeah, but so, Russell's audience wasn't. Russell's doing it, you know, to your mom, to my mom, to yeah, your yeah, mom. Yeah. People who, who don't know really what, what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we're on the screens. Like you walk into the arena and you see us on the screen. You see our hands and you hear the music. And even though you don't get it, he doesn't really care. Yeah. He doesn't, he's feeding it to you anyway. He doesn't want us to play for them. Yeah. Like, don't play for them. Play for me. Yeah. He has, he has his big speaker in his room. Dope. We are what get him hyped before he goes on stage. Like, Yo. it's it's what... He's living his dream. And we're a part of his... And the, the DJ culture is part of his dream. And we get, you know, to be the benefactors of that. Not only at the show, but for the rest of our lives now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like now there's more people who are introduced to actually what DJing is. And when Russell comes out and be like, okay, I want you guys to understand that this is real DJing. Yeah. yeah. And he makes fun <laughs> of the other guys, not this and not this. And you know what I mean? Which is, it's, it's all funny and cool, but it still educates them to the point where at least when they leave, they're like, okay, cool. Okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And, he, and Russell's like, yeah, if you guys want to sell, you know, your USBs and, and CDs and all that stuff, go ahead, do what you want. Like he doesn't, 
he's just he's so he's so passionate and he and he loves not only the culture but us so much like that he just wants yeah. more people to have yeah. just he just wants it out there more and I think to that's do it amazing. on that level it's, it's incredible and I think and it's because he comes he comes from that background like you, yeah. as you said you guys used to sit and like share records you know and you know, you'd have this time together. So he understands that grind. He understands, yeah. you know, what DJs go through, yeah. I think. And he understands music. And he still but, DJs from time to time. No? Absolutely. Yeah. We, I mean, we do after parties and stuff all the time. But I mean, he could very easily be like, Scratch, just, you know, make me a 60 minute mix that I can play before my shows. Yeah. And but, really and truly end of the day, it wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. Well, you know it makes I mean? a difference to the future of the culture that, that, yeah, that young I mean. people like, and, and old people see. And that's, that's, that was the savvy. Yeah. that's the awareness and the savvy that he brought to the table. Like having you there mattered. Like yeah. he wanted to make a point of you physically up there on stage. Like he, I mean, it's not cheap nope. to buy, to fly no. guys around the world no. and put them up in the best hotels and flying a business class. And all. It's, it's, it, it, it takes so much to make this happen, which is why I'm so appreciative yeah. And I think every DJ should be because even though it's not you up there, it's you up there. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's something when you have when you're a part of a culture because yeah. DJing is a culture. It's yeah. not it's not just a thing anybody starts like it's 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 now To a lot of us it's a culture. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a culture. Okay, so I think with your career you you've you've seen a lot and you've done a lot and one of the things I think um we briefly I mean we barely touched on it, but I thought it would be great to address because a lot of people, I think, try to avoid such topics, but things like anxiety and dealing with the, um, the emotional pressures of going through this thing. So I wanted to know about, I mean, your journey, what's happening or ha what happened with, with you? Um, I mean, my journey now that it's became public, but my journey with anxiety has been, you know, with an extreme lack of knowledge um, up until recently, up until last year, really. So, mm. I mean, now that I realize what it is and i realize you know the the extreme effect it has on me um i think back to all the years and i could trace it back you know as far as probably like 25 years ago hmm. um where it's just always been i've never liked spotlights i don't i've never liked being introduced before i play i i hate being on stages like i hate my job is for me to be the center of attention but i don't like being the center of attention i see so it's like, I prefer to just turn the lights off, let me play my music. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? No and spotlight, please. Yes. I always just chalked it up to just butterflies. Like, ah, oh, butterflies. I'm sure you have butterflies and everybody yeah. must have butterflies. Yeah. And all I would do is just like, you know, take a drink and take another drink and then I would forget about my butterflies. So yeah. it never really played into anything. And then I just lived my life for all those years just doing the same thing. It was just club culture. You come in, you play music, you have some drinks with your friends. By the time I get on, I'm, I'm nice and toasty. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. I'll pass out. Sometimes I'll play the whole night and not remember. Sometimes I'll just be good. Uh, it's a shoot. Who knows what happens? So, and I've never in my life had people before this come up to me and be like, ah, oh, my anxiety. I didn't even know. Nobody, nobody spoke it to sounds yeah. so ignorant to say now I'm 46 and to be like, only now I'm really learning about anxiety. But anxiety to me was like anxiety equal depression. And I just reached a point. I did a party in Montreal. It was a really small place. And I was so tense and shaking. And the anxiety just over the years has got worse as it always will if you don't deal with it. Yeah. And I was just like shaking. And I was like, I didn't understand what was happening. That was the first time I really had shakes. Was this uh, recently? Like this a year? This was last November. Oh mm. my God. So it was really wow. recent. Yeah, it was really recent. And it just kind of came out of nowhere and just slapped me in the face. And I was just like, I don't understand it. It's a small room. I could play this party with my eyes closed. 
And the other DJ was a good friend of mine. It was like everybody that would come in that was his friend, he would bring them over to me. And he's like, this is the guy I'm telling oh you about. And get your uh. pens and paper out. And, you know, he's <laughs> like, going to he's gonna put on a clinic tonight. And every time he would say it, wow. I can just feel it rising. rising. Yeah. And I was like, I can't. I don't know what to do. And I just, I was like, I, I poked him and I was like, I need a drink. And then one drink obviously turned and I just had to keep drinking. Until the I shakes played, went away. And I played and I kept drinking and I played and I played. And I was smashed. And then I had a flight at like seven in the morning. I got on the plane and I was still drunk. They let you on the plane? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was still, I got on the plane. I sat down on the plane and I was like, what the Something's wrong. I'm going yeah. home to my kids. Yeah. I'm going to be stinking of vodka. My wife's going to hate my guts. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't do this anymore. I had another event the week after my reggae party. And that was the worst I ever had my anxiety. Was I, this at, no, Banas way before that? At Yush. At yeah, Yush? At Yush. Okay. And, and that was right at the beginning of December. So I went into the party and it's only two DJs. And uh, the guy I'm playing with, Specs, you know, he started playing and then it was my turn to go on. It was like 1230 and I got so tense and you could have literally picked me up. Like this. With one hand <laughs> yeah. and I would have been stiff like this. Like, wow. I'm talking about upper body people. <laughs> <laughs> um and it, it, it literally scared the <laughs> out of me. Of course. And I went to go put my hand on my computer and I was shaking like this and I couldn't even, like it's really hard for people to understand, but I couldn't, like if I told you right now, press the blue button, you could just press the blue button. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't, it, I, it literally it felt like literally someone was pulling my arm back. Amazing. And I was like, this is incredible to me. And I didn't understand it. And thankfully Specs, you know, who I've known for 20 years, mm. I whispered in his ear and I said, I can't do it. And he's like, what do you mean you can't do it? I said, my anxiety is is holding me and I can't do it. And he's like, it's okay, go outside, I got you. I didn't go outside, I stayed there with him because I wanted to be there for him. And I just stood there the whole night. Watching? No, not even. I was just, I stood there literally with my fist <laughs> clenched on the table and I was so tense and I was just <sighs> breathing for four hours straight. So oh, I wow. was... I couldn't do it and I went home, you know, I went to sleep and I woke up and I just started bawling because I was like, this is the end of my career. I'm done because I couldn't go back to where I was before. So I was, I didn't know what to do and this is all I know how to do. So I just sat on my bed and I was crying and I just like, I don't, like, I've never felt that before. Is it going to get worse? Like, what is wrong with me? You know yeah. what I mean, like, why is this happening to yeah. me? Why me after all these years? Like, and I just didn't get it. And, you know, I just went back and I started reading all these people's messages and, and you know, talk to certain people here and there. But again, if you don't know or firsthand suffer from it, you don't understand it. Like if somebody would have came to me with this before and told me their problems, I probably could have been able to relate, but I wouldn't have because I didn't know. Yeah, that's, that's, you don't understand the gravity the of same it and thing. the depth of it. So... It's just like telling anybody, you know, picture doing what you love the most and then picture somebody just saying, no, you can't do it anymore. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. It's all, you know, I can't go back to drinking when I'm performing. So it's just now it's just become, you know, I started therapy, but I'm only like four sessions in and then I came out here for six weeks. So, you know what I mean? It's just like, no, no, here is good. Here's good. Because, no, it's not. No, it's, it's tough here. It's tough. It's tough here if you if you're trying to navigate things. But it's also like you need to pull out for a second. You need to get out. But of I that haven't. That's the thing. Like oh, you guys still. see me. You know, you guys see me at Cove every week. But you don't know 
what's going on no, 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 me every no. week. Like yeah. I'm literally, I'm not, I don't sweat by nature. I can go to the gym and not sweat. And my shirt after COVID is soaking wet because again, I, I look like I'm having fun. And for the most part, at times I'm having fun, but I'm so tense and mm. I'm so, wow. like nothing is the same for me anymore. Like I'm constantly thinking and I'm constantly looking around and everything triggers me. And mm. you know, it, it's, like even I did it at Sky Bar. Uh, Danny's like, go play at Sky Bar. And it was the one night he didn't come with me. It was a Thursday night. Yeah. And I saw people playing. I saw the guys playing. And in my mind, I know it's easy. I can do it. And I knew I was supposed to play in like 15 minutes. And Danny's going to hear this now and be like, you son of a. <laughs> and I literally went to the washroom and I went to the other side of the club and I stood at the back and I was just watching the DJs. And I could see them, you know, kind of. They made the changeover. They had to use the other guy instead because I was, and I just, I couldn't do it. And I was just kind of standing there and watching. And I was just like, it's crazy again. Yeah. And now because of that, every time I have to go into Sky Bar, I'm super tense. Like I'm, you know, I canceled one last week and and it's like, I can't do it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, everything's baby steps for me. And I've met, you know, thankfully, the good and the bad of it all is when you put something out so publicly, I didn't get any negative. Which is amazing because it's mm. social media and you, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. people are savage out there. People are waiting <laughs> for something. Oh, you I was no, expecting no, all that stuff. Of, none right? of that. Mm. So I never got that. And like they say, the good and bad of it is the great part of it is that I got to see that there are so many people that I know personally that I never would have thought and obviously said the same thing. Oh, I've known you for years and I never knew that, you know, it, it's out there publicly. Uh, there's no turning back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I put it out there and I put it out there again. Um, but there is, you know, DJs, singers, producers. Me? Yeah. Like yeah, people, like, and I didn't need, like people like, yeah. I just don't know. And I mean, it's overwhelming to the point because yeah. everybody throws, you know, solutions at you. So you get yeah. a thousand solutions thrown at you. And I'm like, I've never dealt with this before, so I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sat back and, you know, talked to certain people I want to. And then when I saw that, even though I'm far from healed, I was like, I need to do something to get this out in the open a little more. And this, this, it, there's just too much of it. And the constant theme was that, you know, I have this too, and I'm exactly like you, and I drink at all my gigs, and I, I get hammered, and I don't know what to do, and I've never met anybody that had it. And it was just a recurring theme that I kept seeing, and I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, we're in the public eye, but, you know, there's people in the public that have it, there's people in private that have it, and how do we make this all come together and figure out... Mm. Prop- it, no, there's not one solution that works for everybody. No, there isn't. But no, there is one solution, which is, first of all, recognize that you have yeah. it. That's the first, yeah. that's the only yeah. thing you can do that unifies everybody who's tr- who begins the journey to figuring out your anxiety. And that's what I'm thankful for. Like, I feel like me making it public, let a lot of people do that. And that's why I created this event that I'm doing as soon as I go home, just to raise awareness. And I mean, it's a learning event for me. Yeah. And I just want to be able, I mean, we filled up 300 seats in two days. Wow. You know what I mean? That's how anxious people are. (laughs) It's crazy. That's how anxiety. Thankfully, I was able to get, you know, some big dogs on my panel. But it's just a wide variety of everything. Everything. It's basically everything people were throwing at me because I don't know what's good for me. So everything from meditation to oils to, you know, therapy to just different things. So I just assembled this panel because I want to sit there and learn about this stuff, too. And there's so many people out there. And I just think... Like, I've never cared about being ashamed of something or whatever. No, it I agree. It wouldn't matter to me. if I, Whatever yeah. I was. You are. If I if it's time for me to make it public, it's it's public. I don't it really care. It is what care. it is. Exactly. Yeah. 
Like I've never felt shame by saying what I have. I don't feel anybody should. I don't think anxiety is shameful. I just think what it's done for me though is made me like extra, I don't even know the proper term, but maybe anxious, extra anxious (laughs) due to the fact that I think everyone's looking at me and deep inside everyone's like, there's something wrong with this guy. So that's- That's 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 an inherited stigma. Like we learned, like the problem is, I think that's the one thing you've been in the public eye for so long. All those eyes have always been on you. But now what's happened is you've taken down the filter that stopped you from caring. You Now yeah, you care absolutely. about what you, and you feel deep empathy for people because you're like, well, hold on, if I'm paralyzed like this, yeah, then how's this other. guy feeling? Like this yeah. guy who has anxiety. That, that way, but I'm also looking at it in like an introvert way. I'm looking at it like these people are all looking at yeah, me. Me, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Which yeah. has never been my personality and I've never been that person. And that seven. just raises anxiety. So it's mm-hmm. like, even at Cove, so like it doubled up for you in a way. Yeah, I mean, people people don't know me, and for the most part, people don't care who's yeah. aging. They just want the music. Yeah, but it's still it's my mind playing the tricks, and it's my mind doing this to me. And that's the frustrating part. Is like I come home and I tell my my wife will go like, "How was it?" And I was like, "I'm not happy anymore." But like, like even yeah. when you see people like turn like at fresh the last set you guys did, like when you see how happy people were and how doesn't that give you a bit of relief? It gives me a bit of relief, but again, that's, that's the problem about them. That's with not my about anxiety them. is I lost happiness. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, and that was always a big part of DJing for me is, you know, it makes me happy. You know what I mean? Being with my family makes me happy. Playing my music makes me happy. So I'm, I'm lucky that I always can come back to my family and be happy, but... It's like, it's made me, it's not made me a bitter, miserable person, but I'm just never happy anymore. It's like, not only when I'm working, I don't, I don't want to say like, I'm never happy in life. It's not a depression thing. It's just, I don't feel satisfied. I don't feel happy. Like even like the night you're talking about, in my, one part of me is like, that was good. That was fun. But the other part of me was like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Like I just, I, I just lost that, that oomph in me. I lost that mm-hmm. step. I lost that love. You know what I mean? Even though... People that look at me play may not see the difference or even hear the difference. But to me, it's just, I leave there and I just want to make a beeline. I don't, I want to get out of there. Just, just let me just get out. Home. Just yeah. let me go home. Yeah, yeah I totally you get know that. What I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, those are the things that I need to work on. Obviously I need to figure out how to combat this head on yeah. and, and find something that works. I mean, the encouraging part is I've had a lot of people talk to me and even though it's been different methods and different solutions, yeah, they found something. I think one of the things that I've quickly come to learn is that I've, I haven't met anyone who's cured their anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've, and I meet, we meet so many I people think, every day and yeah. we, you know, and I, and I have, we have community groups and we, I reach out. I've never met anyone who's cured it, but mm-hmm. what I've met are people who cope with it in the most yeah, remarkable they ways. It. You can tame yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they're better after it. It is a coping mechanism that you need to find. And you weren't an alcoholic. I don't think that that's a fair thing no, to no, say. That, it was a, that was a route we took because my wife was like, well, and she just surprised me with it. Um, she's like, okay, today I got a babysitter and we're going at seven o'clock to the AA meeting. Ooh. And I was like, mm. shots fired. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I'll but, do anything. Uh, yeah, only because it was her. If it was anybody yeah. else, I would have been like, but yeah, and we went and I sat there and I was just like, I can't, I couldn't relate to it because, you know, these people are like the ladies saying, you know, I was, I would leave my work and I would go sit in the car and drink. And I was, I was just looking, I was like, I, and every I story that, was yeah. like, I was going to the yeah. bar and after work and I would go home late to my kid. And I was like, no, that's not me. No. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't relate. And you don't need it to yeah. continue. That was, and, it. and you the thing is I don't calm. even particularly like it. Yeah. I don't care. Like I ha- I don't miss it at all. I miss yeah. what it does for me. 
Yes. But so, I don't miss, that could have been anything. Yeah. Right. And so that's what you need to find yeah. is a healthy if anything. If eating almonds did it for me, then I it would have been just almonds. Yeah. It would have been amazing. Exactly. I didn't want to say eating nuts because the cow eats right there. He's been waiting. He hasn't said anything that he could yeah. do. He's been very good. He's watching. very, very good. Yeah. I double think this because I know who I'm looking at. But yeah, no, I think. A cow causes everybody anxiety. Your anxiety is shooting through the roof right now. But I'm with you. It's like, I have my life to live with my family. That's my my focus, so I need to make myself better so I can at least provide for my family. Of course. You know what I mean? But what's interesting, and I told, I was telling OT this, I was like, I'm getting off Instagram because it makes me anxious. Absolutely. That was, I just, that was my thing. Yeah. It makes me, it gives me anxiety. Makes me anxious, right? I, pull, I pulled away from it, it too. I think here's the thing. What, what it does is that it inflames any bit of anxiety, any insecurity. Yeah, or but any anxiety is a different have. than insecurity. But yeah, my anxiety yeah. flared, like I flared. Think that, that's what Instagram does. It, it, it just it, it just flares that and it's so unfortunate. It's a super superficial fake world that you compare yourself to. It's ridiculous, but yeah. it's life. It was actually Charlemagne's, my wife had bought me Charlemagne's book and I read it. And that was one of his key things. He's like, you need to put your phone down yeah. and just move away from social media. For a bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, obviously, and we live in the life. We live in. And we, we have to it. promote stuff. But, but I do think that there's the, the teaching kids a mm. way because the thing is they don't know disconnection. Yeah. Mm. We have the privilege of having grown up in a world where we, there wasn't. We were analog. We, I can, didn't exist. we were analog and then digital, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a learning within us that we can impart as yeah. you know. Okay. But that's the practice that like I, I I always try to push Shereen for as well, which it took me a while to do that now, where I would only pick up. My phone or go on social to post. Yeah. So as I understand, that's like as, me now. If you as, look at mine, it's like every a post a week. That's it. Yeah, so yeah, because yeah. of because of my, our profession, we're required to be constantly available. So it's to create content and strictly create content and not to sit and consume. Reem is so automated. She, I would ask her about an email. She's like, oh yeah, okay, let me send it. And she's in the car and she'd go to. Instagram before going to the email. Of course. Listen, if I drink your Kool-Aid, like I've drank your Kool-Aid. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm, and I know this right. is, and this is something he's correct. And, what he's saying is right. Yeah. To like a, how to pull back from that. So now like I try to every now and then to like gamify it and get people where I was like, yo, what's your weekly uh, screen time on your phone? I went down by 40%. And it's like this thing where we try to cut down screen time as much as possible. I lose every week. I'm actually week. glad. I'm glad the iPhone started that too. I have yeah. this bad habit where and I still do sometimes where I just, I don't like having notifications on because as soon as I say it, I want to respond back. Yeah, or I want to address it. So I switch them all off. I get rid of it. And I realized that's what gives me anxiety because I think part of the business journey was people needing my attention right now to solve a problem in that immediate end. I don't have the tools for it. And I realized what gives me anxiety is feeling like I don't have the tools. Feeling I inadequate. I don't know how to fix it. So then I'm stuck and I just don't want to deal with it anymore. I'm going home. I'm going and to bed. And that's somebody else's problem, not even yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's it. I'm going to bed. Like I just disconnect completely. I'm out. You know, and that, that becomes my response. And learning to understand that, you know what, this could wait till tomorrow. I don't need to address this, right? This, this is a Sunday urgent. morning problem. Exactly. You know, you know this, is not a, this is not a Wednesday 5 p.m. issue. The mm-hmm. Sunday, it could wait till Sunday. And just yeah. forcing that practice over time because I think for me, it is, it's a paralysis of inadequacy. Right, well, like, you you're a high, well, you're an A level, like you're a, a yeah. you're a, a class performer, so you feel like you have to perform at a high level at all times. And if I'm not, and when you I fall should. slightly short, you beat the yeah. out of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's yeah. an that's a that's a practice that only breeds anxiety because it, you're yeah. never going to be perfect. Perfect. And in fact, you know, Mark Mark's story tells us sometimes yeah. the moments where you fail, like, and you're not that great. 
are the moments that build you. You need six hours every night until you're the best in the game. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm really glad that you're putting it into the school system because we should have, as a parent, we, you, got, you can have great conversations about how do we, first of all, target anxiety in young children and how do we give them the tools to deal with it? Like there are schools that imp- implement meditation. There are schools that mm. implement moments of silence. I just think there's a lot of noise and I don't know how to handle it. So how can, I, how can a kid who's four, five, six, how are they dealing with it? Because we're engaging in the same yeah. world. They won't even know how to express it to you in words properly yeah. anyway. And you yeah. can't tell them to drop the social down because they have so much access these days. Social media is so brutal. Like it's so negative. It's such a, it's such a negative world for the most part. Yeah. You know, if you got bullied in school, it was whatever happened in that moment with that person in front of your face yeah. and then it was done. done. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah. you know, one kid says something about one kid online and And it's it lives done. forever. And I, and, I mean, it's a beautiful thing for those who use it wisely, but for the most part, on anything, you look at, you know, Demi Lovato will put up a new video or somebody will put up a new video, see one nice comment and then do, 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 do right after. I, I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so scared for my kids going in just, mm-hmm. they're so innocent now. It's such a beautiful thing. And just knowing, like, it's like watching, you know, the cars drive by and you, they're waiting <laughs> across the street and you're like, I know one of these is going to hit them. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And you just know it's coming. It's a part of life. They're going to have to deal with it at some point. But how do you prepare these kids? How do you prepare adults? How do you prepare anybody for something oncoming that you know is it, it's inevitable? Yeah. And how do we prepare anybody for this? I mean, nobody ever talked to me about this before. I'm learning now that some people were right beside me and, and suffering freaking out. Freaking way and you out. had yeah. no idea. And we both had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Because they just look at me as the guy who's always out there smiling and drinking or playing, of course, because I was drinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just really trying to better myself yeah. and educate as many as I can, including myself along the way. Well, I'm so happy that you're on this journey. I'm sorry yeah. for the moments that feel horrible. It's, but a part I, of, it's a part of getting stronger. Yeah. But I feel, yeah, I just feel like this is so needed and so yeah. necessary. And I think that your kids will have a language because you're finding it for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's remarkable. And so that's, whatever we can do, like at, I don't... Just keep I mean, talking about it on, on your podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we will. I think it is for important sure. to, to constantly address. And, you know, it's, it's a privilege that we recognize it. I mean, the other side of the coin was that this keeps going and you would have, would have never been having... There's no word in the Filipino language for depression or anxiety. We have the words depression and anxiety to mark this illness. There's actually no words in the language. In some cultures, like some countries, we don't have a language, and, the and word the, for it. Well, yeah, even, I mean, just to show, like, when I put out that post and, you know, my mom's talking to me and, and her attitude was like, well, just get over it. Kind oh, of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like, like... You know, well, if you don't, just have a drink then. She's, I'm like, no, she's like, like, it's like, helping you, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, even even here, that's the same thing. Where in, in the Arab world, it would have been okay, you're depressed, you're sad about something. They take it as sadness and something temporary. They won't take it as weakness. Exactly. Yes. And yes. then it's either if you're a guy, okay, you're weak, get your together, get up, figure it out and get out there. I think one way we can really like move forward in a good way is if you find any resources online that you feel like have helped you that we can post about, Please. I think that would help. Yeah. I know that I have a few actually that I can put up. We should, that, we should start sharing those actually, like you be know, more active about it. Yeah, because I think that was one thing. I didn't know where to go. I had the internet, I had whatever. I just didn't know where And even to go. if you do, like people are like, go to go to therapists. How, how do you choose a therapist? Yo. How do you choose a, a meditation? Everybody's yeah. online, everybody's an expert. No, 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 <laughs> right? yeah. So yeah. it's like, uh, where do you go? How do you turn? And I mean, that's, 
obviously for everybody it's going to be hit and miss and trial and error. But yeah. but you um, have to begin it. You yeah, do have to, you begin, have to begin it. Like, you, you have just, to start. Yeah, like I don't even, you know, like I said, I'm only four sessions in, so it's really done nothing for me yet because uh, it's, it's all just been a feeling out process. But I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if my therapist is going to be good. Uh, maybe I'm yeah. going to have to do this for a while and find somebody else. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, I don't know how long my journey is going to be, but... Oh, I've just, been through a lot of therapists, if yeah, that helps. I know that I, I, helps yeah, I don't know that. I've, it's, I've, of course, it's personal, right? Yeah. So It is. And it's also, it's one of those things where as I change... I feel like because I'm I'm I accept that as humans we constantly grow and change. Sometimes mm. we go backwards, sometimes we go forwards. That person is not going to go through that journey all the time with you perfectly. So I have found, you know, a counselor for moments in my life and that tends to work for me, but I don't think it works for everyone. Yeah. I can't say the practice works for everyone. Yeah. But the one thing that has helped everyone is I have anxiety. Yeah. What am I going to do about it now? I mean, only seeing, and mine is minimal, so only seeing what it's done to me, I, ca I can't even, you know, imagine what some people are going through. But hopefully we yeah. can, at some point, somebody, will, everybody will figure something out. For them. They will. I, I believe in that goodness in the world. I yeah. genuinely. And I think that goodness is a great note for us to end this. Yes, month. yes. Thank you. But I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Thank so you. dope. Thank, Thank you very, you. very much. It's been very enlightening for me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's a big word. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's how we left the room. We all got smarter. That's true. <laughs> it does happen. Let's see if he listens to the episode. Then he'll have heard that burn. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Mark. I know we got we got uh, we got Carter's drop, but we want to drop from you. There you go. <laughs> it's like my old reggae dances. Yes, sir. Salam. 